2: Is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am here, as always, with Andrew Mertig. Andrew, it
3: is Friday. We are back for another episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Yeah, it is great to be back. Today is episode 765 of the Pack-A-Day podcast, which is exciting. One one thing to note is that yesterday for episode 764, we got a message from Andy Herman. I, I think, you know, with all that's going on in the world, of course, how this is affecting the Packers, um, you know, specifically for this podcast, I think, Everything that he had to say about the topic, um, about what's going on in the state of Wisconsin, what's going on across our country, I think was just really well stated. And I I don't necessarily have anything to add to it, but I would say, you know, if you didn't get a chance to check that out, uh, either through the podcast or the audio clip of it that he posted on Twitter, I would say go ahead and do that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I just want to echo what you said. We don't have a ton to add. I think we're kind of in a place where we're in a, we just want to listen. And I think Andy said a lot of great things yesterday that we uh, appreciate, and we're glad that we are able to work alongside Andy and the leadership that he brings. Uh, to this podcast. The Packers have said, we want to play football. We're going to play football, but they've acknowledged that a lot of things right now are bigger than football. So they're taking that pause as well. So uh, applaud the Packers organization and teams across the country for the stand that they're taking. It's been really cool to see those teams working in conjunction with each other, even in cities and local markets, to have those conversations about what can be done as far as race and those things go. So uh, well done. Sports. Uh, Let's have some fun today and let's talk about our Green Bay Packers a little bit. Uh, It has been fun getting into training camp and seeing not football games yet. We're still missing preseason football. Wish we had that. Uh, But we are getting football stories and football news and some football buzz. And we know that preseason and training camp hype doesn't always translate to that regular season. But, man, it really does seem like there are a ton of guys making plays in Packers camp this year. And everyone expects Aaron Rodgers to look good in a red jersey, right? Everyone expects Devontae Adams to win his one-on-ones. But there are a lot of young players who seem to be taking a big step forward and who are proving, at least in camp here, to be some pleasant surprises. And so Andrew and I thought it would be fun to identify some players that we think of hold the keys to this 2020 Packers team because I think most people expect this team to be good this year. I think there's a lot of expectation that this team should be at least kind of eight and eight as a floor. Uh, But there are a lot of young guys on this team that if they were to take that next step could really unlock the potential of this team as a whole. So uh, Andrew and I have each selected four players each two on offense and two on defense, that we think could hold the keys to where this 2020 Packers team is headed in 2020.
3: Something struck me while you were talking, Kyle. That always makes two me nervous. Weeks. Yeah, 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 yeah. it was definitely something you said. Um, two weeks from today, we are going to be previewing the Packers week one matchup against the Vikings.
2: Yes! Two
3: weeks. Two weeks. It is... It's absolutely incredible. We we were um, I was interacting with somebody on Twitter today uh, about the you know low ratings for Hard Knocks and and one of the points <laughs> that they made I think it was Kyle Kuzino was was saying that the. In fact, people just don't realize what time of year it is, right? Like We haven't had all of these triggers. We haven't gotten to see camp for the Packers. We haven't gotten to see family night. We haven't gotten to see the preseason games, which would already be underway. And so it it is hard to believe we're this close to the beginning of football season. So, um, It absolutely is. And there will
2: be no fans in attendance for that Vikings game.
3: Yes, very important. Very true, very true. How much fake crowd noise can they put in? Right, right. Um, All the things some, we have to pay attention uh, to. Allowable amounts, I guess. Somebody will have yes. to be uh, testing the decibel levels of that. But <laughs> the player that I wanted to start and really kick us off today on offense, and this is going to be shocking, is wide receiver Equanimia St. Brown. I, I know, Kyle, I know. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> but I have been banging the drum for ESB since before he was even drafted. It's probably getting old for some people, but before last season, I said I thought he could be a pro bowler opposite of Devonte, And that was uh, a teensy over-aggressive because he looked like he was struggling in the preseason before a season-ending injury. But he's still the most talented receiver on this roster. What? Think, think about what I said. What? The most... Talented, And I stand by that. There just aren't six, five guys who can do what Equinemius can do. He can play outside. He can play in the slot. He can go up and get it. He can also make you miss after the catch. And I truly believe with the emphasis on the run and the play action game and with teams being forced to double Devante, there is going to be room for someone to be a dominant number two this season. And St. Brown appears to be taking that year three leap. So many young receivers do. Side note, Kyle, I know you had a draft crush on Florida wide receiver Van Jefferson, who was taken in the second round by the Rams. I did. Equinemius is younger than Van Jefferson is. That's crazy. As as a third-year player. (laughs) Uh, But a a major step forward for ESB could mean a massive 2020 for the Green Bay offense. And I think he really is going to be the key in the wide receiver room.
2: There are a lot of things that you just said, my friend, and I'm still like back like two minutes ago when you said that he's the most talented, yeah, wide receiver
3: on this team. Most talented, not the best. You do know You've, that Devontae Adams athletes put athletes on on this on paper, right? Devonte versus Equinemius. Equinemius is taller. He's faster. He's quicker. He's not oh, yeah. a better route runner. He's not a better NFL receiver. Devante is great, One of the top five receivers in the entire league. I'm not saying equanimous is that, but from a talent standpoint, oh, Rashan Gary is a more talented edge rusher than Zadarius Smith. It doesn't mean he's better. That is an interesting. That is an interesting argument as far as the edge rusher goes. I am
2: struggling here. I know I have to go on because we have to continue, but I'm I'm struggling.
3: More talented than him I, from an athletic standpoint. Okay, right, I, but. Like, he, we, we don't talk about hand-eye coordination as an athletic trait, right? Like, we, we, we don't talk about the ability to read the field quickly as an athletic trait, right? Like, Tom Brady has that, and that's athletic, but he's not Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. right? When, when we're talking about athleticism, we're talking about, like, moving, fluidity, quickness, acceleration, mm-hmm. right? those okay. sorts of things. And I'm okay. saying Equinemius is the most talented receiver on the roster.
2: Man, we may we're gonna fight. We'll we'll fight. We'll fight after the podcast. You can't drop stuff like this on me in the middle. I'm thinking about explosiveness and uh, sudden change of direction and things like that, and I'm I'm struggling. But I respect you. We've done this for years, so we're just gonna move on for the sake of everyone here. I
3: guess what's my point? Equinemius <laughs> can speak more languages than Devontae too. Oh
2: my gosh, you're right. But you, I mean, you've been on the ESB train for so long and I, I really do think that Equinemius is, is slated to have a great year this year. Uh, MVS is someone that I admittedly was really out on at the end of last year. And I think you'll, you'll remember that, that I basically said, I think the Packers have moved on from him. They seem to have resurrected their hope in him. And so I think he's going to get those snaps before Equinemius. And so how that kind of plays out, I do think will greatly influence um, how quickly uh, ESB does see the field. So we will see. um, But so much to think on here from just that short little snippet from you today. Um, My first player on offense is offensive weapon, Tyler Irvin. And I hesitate to say that Irvin is a running back because I think that's kind of misleading. I I say that Irvin is a running back and most fans would naturally slot him in that running back four spot behind Jones Williams and now AJ Dillon. But I think that diminishes the role that he's going to have on this team. He's actually been doing some work with the receivers in camp here. And I think that many Green Bay fans appreciate that stability that Irvin brought as a returner last season. But I think it's pretty clear that this coaching staff has bigger plans for Irvin in 2020. And oftentimes you'll hear a player uh, who gets promoted because other guys get hurt. And so the staff starts thinking of other ways to utilize other guys who are deeper on the depth chart. But, But the Packers clearly came into camp with Irvin in the plans from the start. And from a fan's perspective, that's exciting. This is a team that has frequently been knocked for its lack of speed and quick twitch players. And I think many thought that this was going to come um, to, to get those things was going to come from a rookie draft pick or a big free agent signing or something like that. But Tyler Irvin will probably still only be that part-time player this season. But he's a guy who brings a dangerous threat to the field whenever he's on it. And so if he can grow into the role that the Packers seem to want to use him in, I really do think that he could bring an elements in this offense that could unlock a lot of this team this Things for this team. And so I'm really excited about Tyler Irvin and the jump I think he could take in year two. So you would say Tyler
3: Irvin's a very talented player. <laughs> He's the most talented running back on this team. That is not true. Oh my god. Because gosh. the guy I'm gonna talk about next is <laughs> and that is one Mr. A.J. Dillon. Oh, and maybe, okay. maybe AJ Dylan is too obvious of a pick for this activity. I'm not sure, but um don't get me wrong here. What I'm about to say. little little controversial. I love Aaron Jones, but I have missed, in my soul, the Packers having a running back that they can just basically tell the defense, we're going to give the ball to this guy, and he's still going to run through your face mask for the first down. (laughs) They probably haven't had that since early Eddie Lacy, and Dylan has so much promise as a guy who can just take over some games. uh, And probably in his rookie year, there's going to be some games where he's not super effective, but I really think he can have a season like uh, 600 yards rushing and six to eight touchdowns, which really isn't going to be bad considering the times here that Green Bay is likely going to have. And his most important trait for me is going to be how he forces defense to stack the box and then allow us play action over the top for guys like MVS. And, and I think that's going to be a really important facet to, facet to this offense.
2: Yeah, I I completely agree with you, and I'm with you. You mentioned Eddie Lacy, and I remember those early-year Eddie Lacy games where just watching him play and thinking, what – what a man like I, it sounds, but just like the way that he would just take over a game and the strength that he showed. And and guys, defense has had a hard time tackling him and you could just see it wearing a defense down. And we haven't had that kind of a player as good as Aaron Jonas has been um, in several seasons. So I think that element added back in will be a nice treat to have. Um, but looking forward to A.J. Dillon this year for sure.
3: I don't know how often this has gotten mentioned, but one thing that just crossed my mind when we're talking about those like thunder and lightning type situations is how effective the saints were with rookie Elvin Kamara and veteran Mark Ingram. And, and I think, Ingram had some phenomenal games for the Saints during that stretch, and I, I really think that's the role that A.J. Dillon can play is when defense are, defenses are, are going to have to face Aaron Jones, and And now it sounds like Jamal Williams is getting better in the pass game to go with his running ability and pass-blocking skill set, and then suddenly you put this behemoth in there after teams are, are getting sick of chasing Aaron Jones off tackle, and he's just going to take you off your feet. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm just super, super excited about the Packers running game as nervous as I am about, about the depth at receiver. I am so incredibly excited about the depth at running back.
2: Yeah. You know, that Matt LaFleur is just drooling at the opportunity to feed these backs. Um, and that makes me nervous as a Aaron Jones fantasy dynasty owner, not knowing how that's going to go and what I should do there. Um, but this is not a fantasy football podcast, so uh, let's continue talking here with my next selection here on offense. Uh, Lane Taylor uh, is someone who has been a reliable player for this team in the past, but is a guy that I think is overlooked as far as his value goes for this team going forward and it wasn't long ago that Taylor was that key piece for this offensive line and then when injury came to Taylor, Elton Jenkins came out of nowhere last year to just kind of play out of his mind and Taylor was a big name rumored to be a possible cut for this team but earlier this offseason the Packers restructured Taylor to save $3 million in cap space and now it looks like Lane Taylor is playing his way into the starting right guard role which is a big deal in that Billy Turner didn't really impress there necessarily last year. He was fine, but mostly an average player. And now with questions surrounding Rick Wagner and his health and the depth of offensive tackle, Taylor becomes that much more important. Imagine if Taylor wasn't playing well, the strain that that would put on the Packers to figure out who their best five in this offensive line were. So Taylor, if he can play well for this team, would give the Packers Four really good starters on the offensive line, which is something that a lot of NFL teams simply can't say. And credit has to be given to Brian Gutekunst, who could have simply cut Taylor and saved a bunch of cap space. But remembering the player that Taylor was before his injury, Goody got Taylor back as that insurance policy that looks like it may end up paying off big time this year. So great call by the front office bringing back Taylor. And I really do think he could be a great piece for this team this year.
3: Yeah, and not only important if he wins the right guard position, but certainly as a versatile player who's kicked over to left tackle even. Yeah. And absolutely. Um, you know, knowing we we've talked about this ad nauseum on on the Friday shows, but depth is gonna play such a crucial role in teams' ability to succeed on weeks when you might be missing a chunk of your roster because mm-hmm. of illness. And, of course, the injuries that always seem to pop up with the Packers offensive line anyways. So yeah. I'm going to kick it over to defense. And my first player there, uh, I already mentioned, I ruined this before, <laughs> uh, is Rashawn Gary, the most talented edge rusher. <laughs> uh, I, I, I really think the potential Gary possesses to impact the pass rush game could end up being a significant part of this defense first there's the very realistic possibility one or both of the smiths are going to miss some time this season and we just talked about why and kyler fackrell is no longer there to be a serviceable backup so on monday's show ben Fennel pointed out that he wasn't sure if gary actually got any better during his time at michigan and the, that wasn't necessarily a knock on the michigan coaching staff or rashawn gary but sometimes guys are just so talented coming out of high school that the the gut instinct is to just throw him out there and let them do their thing, right? This guy's an athletic freak. Let him run around the edge and just beat guys with speed because he can, or line him up inside and just let him beat people with power because he's so much stronger than everybody else. And so he may not have developed a lot of great habits and a lot of great technique. And maybe we saw during his rookie season, the need to overcome some of that stuff. And I think, you know, he he seemed to have an over-reliance on trying to beat guys off the edge during last year, so, you know, certainly there's some of that, but Here's a guy who is the elitist of elite athletes, who has a work ethic that rivals the best players in the league. He has one of the best position coaches in in the entire NFL and two mentors ahead of him at his position in the Smiths. So I never have high expectations of edge rushers until year three. But Gary is someone that doesn't have a lot of excuses to turn into an impact player right now. And by all accounts, he's been really good in practices so far. So this defense could be taken to even higher levels. If Gary can spell the Smith bros from time to time and him and Zadarius can line up on the D line to create mismatches up front, in a lot of ways, this is an expectation which totally isn't fair. But Rashawn could be a major reason this defense takes a step forward this year or a little bit of a step back. We
2: should have just called the show, like, the most talented players on the Packers because...
3: You and I have a difference of opinion (laughs) what talent means. We can fight about this during another show. That's a 12 the bus all the time. Kyle. That's right. Um,
2: Next week, we'll just yell at each other the whole time.
3: (laughs) We've been doing (laughs) this show for over two years now. I'm getting sick of you always insulting (laughs) me. All right, so my next player is
2: Josh Jackson. Um, I want to talk about Jackson here a bit because I really do think that a step forward from Jackson would really open things up for this defense. The Packers took Jackson in the second round after he really was rumored as that first round talent. Uh, Many thought the Packers might take him with the pick that they used on Jair after trading back. Um, And Jackson has all the talent in the world. (laughs) He's not the most talented player on the team, though. Um, but consistency has been the issue here. It's robbed him from seeing the field. Andrew's dying right now. Uh, the Packers got, I can't even, the Packers got more consistent play from other guys on this team. There's no, there's no way around that. Tremont Williams was better last year, uh, which was pe- expected because it's Tremont Williams. But Shandon Sullivan also proved to be more trusted by the coaching staff in 2019. Now, I'm sure it didn't help Jackson that he started the year last year hampered by an him to be kind of passed on the depth chart, but a few things have changed for Jackson this year. First, the Packers brought over Jerry Gray from Minnesota to coach the defensive backs, and it's been noted at practice that Gray has just been pouring into these young defensive backs, and so that could be big for someone like Jackson who's looking to take that next step, but it's also significant that Jackson has been working exclusively as a perimeter corner. The Packers have used him in the slot some in the past, uh, but in the NFL... Your third best receiver is not automatically your slot receiver. We know this, right? Um, Often that player is one of the faster, twitchier guys on the team. And so that is going to be a mismatch for someone like Jackson who wins with length and physical. Physicality, And so the addition of Coach Gray and putting Jackson in a position to succeed should be great for his development. And it's been interesting that there are really conflicting reports coming out of camp right now about Josh Jackson. He's he's had his flashes in camp, and Aaron Nagler has had nothing but good things to say about Jackson. Uh, Matt Schneidman wrote an article for The Athletic this week that mentioned Jackson as a player whose stock is suffering in camp. Um, A very different perspective from Matt. Uh, But Matt did point to consistency as the problem that Jackson is having, which has been his biggest issue throughout his career. So it would be nice to get some preseason action for Josh Jackson to help him work on this prior to the season and for us to see, uh, you know, just how he's progressing if he is. But if Jackson puts it all together this season, it would be absolutely huge for the Packers and give them some depth at corner that would allow them really to play Jair on the opposing team's best wideout, even if that means Letting him shadow a player in the slot all game long. So lots of questions on Josh Jackson. We're not sure where this is gonna fall, but also a lot of optimism coming out of Packers Camp. And if he does play well, would just give a huge leg up to this defense this year.
3: Yeah, and you talked about right at the end, Jair potentially shadowing people in the slot. And I, I think, you know, sometimes people don't necessarily understand the skill set that it takes to play slot corner. And also, the same thing can be said of playing slot receiver, too, right? You, you have more two-way breaks. So the wide receiver has an opportunity to cut in or out, whereas on the perimeter, largely, you're, you're dealing with a wide receiver in the sideline is, is your help defender there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may have safety help over the top. And for a guy like Josh Jackson, who maybe lacks the suddenness for those two-way breaks, it's more difficult to play in there. He's a bigger body. And so mm-hmm. it, you know, and he he's not necessarily twitched up like that. He has better long speed. And so I think that being on the outside and especially what were all of the strengths that were mentioned about Josh Jackson coming into the draft, it's ball skills, right? Mm-hmm. All over yeah. the place. He's a converted wide receiver. He made a ton of interceptions in his last year <laughs> at Iowa. And I think Having that extra split second of covering the outside receiver is going to be really beneficial for him. It's going to allow him to open up a little bit more, maybe be a little bit more aggressive going for the ball, have the confidence in himself, which is so crucial at cornerback to be able to take those chances. And so I'm really excited to see what Josh Jackson brings. If he's great, it's such an added benefit to this defense. Mm-hmm. We know what Kevin King and Jair Alexander are going to bring. We know Shannon Sullivan can be a, a very serviceable third corner. But if Josh Jackson can be really good, this defense has a chance to vault forward. And so that's that that to me is one of the more exciting developments we've seen out of Kevin. Yeah, it could be a huge deal. And I just want to ask you:
2: you know, you talked about Josh Jackson as a converted wide receiver. Do you think, as talented as he, as he was coming out of Iowa, do you think that Josh Jackson has a chance to be the most talented wide receiver on this team? <laughs> no.
3: Okay. I just wanted to check. No, to he's sure. not six five with 4'4 <laughs> speed, Kyle. He doesn't like, speak Equanimous 8,000 is. languages. Equinemius right. is great. Fine. Talk about Don't your next guy. You slander his name on this podcast.
4: <laughs>
3: All on. right. So I'm going to go from talking about talent and potential to talking about Dean (laughs) Lowry. I know, I I know. That's super buzzkill. No one wants to hear this, but... We know the defensive line is a massive question mark outside of Kenny Clark. And if this team wants to avoid getting run over like they did against the 49ers twice, the Eagles, the Chargers, they need someone outside of Clark to have a big year. And the only guy with experience is Dean Lowry. Kingsley Kiki would be awesome if he steps forward. But do we really think Kingsley Kiki is a run stuffer? Not me. Um... Montrevious Adams hasn't shown much in his short NFL career. Maybe Tyler Lancaster takes a big leap forward. Maybe Trayvon Hester is a player. Maybe Willington Prevalon is a factor. But I, I bet on Lowry having a good season before I bet on any of those other things happening. And it might not be the outlook we want to have as Packer fans. But I think Dean Lowry is going to be a pivot point on this team at some point during 2020. And he is going to have to play better in order for them to stop the run when they need to to get in better second and third down situations, and also to stop the 49ers when they're trying to just (laughs) run you over. And also, of course, um, it's been well documented. The Packers are playing a ton of the top rushing teams from last season. So Dean Lowry is going to be important, even if that is like eating your vegetables.
2: Yeah, I don't think it can be understated how huge it would be for this team to have someone besides Kenny Clark step up in a big way on the defensive line. And Lowry's been a solid player. He's, you know, playing to legitimize the contract that the Packers did give him. Um, I'd also love to see. Kiki take that next step. But I agree with you that he's more of that penetrating pass rusher, probably, um, and maybe not a stout in the run game. So maybe that upside isn't there for him to have that run-stopping potential. Uh, But just finding consistent, impactful production from someone other than Clark would be huge for the defensive line and the defense as a whole. My last player, we've reached the end, finally, after all of our back-and-forth, Andrew, is someone who I'm sure – is being hyped way over what we can expect to actually see this year, but it's training camp and we're here for all the positive vibes. So for me, it's really exciting to sit back, put your feet up and just dream about what if rookie linebacker, Kamal Martin was for real. And that the Packers found a starting linebacker in the fifth round of this year's draft. Um, I mean, this this draft class has been ragged on extensively, and obviously the jury is still out. But my goodness, the reviews coming out of camp are tremendous on this kid. And I think it's more notable and maybe even more believable because he's the guy, as a fifth-round pick, who, if we're being honest, not a lot of fans were familiar with coming into the draft. So he's the guy who's less likely to get the fake buzz because people aren't naturally looking for impact from somebody like him, but he's definitely turning heads out there. And if Martin proves to be a legit contributor, it would not only be the best duo of linebackers that the Packers have had in several seasons, it would really free up Mike Pettin to use someone like Raven green in even more creative ways. If he had a second linebacker that he could trust. So for me, I'm really excited about Kamal Martin and his interview was a lot of fun to listen to the other day. Um, This would be unexpected, I would think that that's an understatement if he could come out and be a starter this year. Uh, but
3: it could be huge uh, if he were able to have an impact on this team in this rookie year. Uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, Kyle, but I'm going to anyways. <laughs> do you view Kamal Martin more as a early down linebacker or a late round or a late down linebacker, like a third down linebacker, or do you view him as somebody who could potentially play? regardless of this situation.
2: I don't know. I mean, I speak from a lot of ignorance here, and you did put me on the spot. But coming out,
3: I, I think... <laughs> and I do speak from ignorance often, so, I mean, this is consistent with what we expect. Also true. <laughs> so, uh, If it makes you feel any better, I think you're the most talented host on the Friday podcast.
2: Well, that's really thoughtful of you. I, I don't always live up to that uh, to that talent, but I, the, the talent is certainly there. Um, so here's the thing. Um, I think coming out, I think he was... Build as a player who you would expect to fill the role of more of an early down linebacker. But a lot of the plays that he made at Minnesota and the kind of limited tape that I watched. A, but also B, that he was able to produce because of being out with some injuries and those kinds of things. Those plays that he made were in coverage and in space, so I don't know what kind of player that this is going to be. We've seen him come through the uh, the offensive line and make some plays in the backfield on occasion, so uh, showing that he has that kind of burst and explosiveness to get to the play. I don't know if we'll see that consistently, but yeah, I don't know really what kind of a player that the Packers have here in Martin, and I think that that's some of the intrigue. Um, it's kind of like getting that great Christmas present that you didn't ask for, uh, but now you're really excited just to see exactly like how it works.
3: Yeah, in my initial impression, the reason why I asked is I don't know as much about Martin as I should. He was somebody that I missed in my pre-draft scouting process because he was hurt so much of his senior year and he was a converted edge rusher. And so I didn't get to see a ton of stuff. You would make the assumption as somebody who was an edge rusher that he would be like a downhill linebacker yeah. playing in the early downs. And that's really not the impression that I've gotten. It, you know, the reviews are that he's looked really good in coverage. You're right. There, there were several college highlights showing him playing outstanding coverage as well. And one of the reasons why I ask is somebody that I was tempted to mention in this exercise was Ty Summers because I view him out of all of the linebackers that they have outside of Christian Kirksey, who you'd expect to be on the field all the time. If healthy, Ty Summers has the most potential to be that downhill first and second down guy. And that's also counterintuitive because with his athletic profile, we made the assumption that he would be a coverage guy. And when Mm -hmm. you dug into his TCU tape, last offseason, you really found out that he was much better moving forward. And so mm-hmm. that, to me, is interesting that that potentially the two of those packaged together, maybe you see Ty Summers in that um, Antonio Morrison role mm-hmm. um, of the early down. Hopefully is a little bit better than Antonio was <laughs> last season. <laughs> and you, you see Kamal getting some of those those um, sub-package snaps with somebody like Raven Green. I don't know. It's, it's just really exciting that there, there's at least some talent and some depth at off-ball linebacker this mm-hmm. year I have not been excited about that position for a very very long time but I'm I, I would have loved to see some preseason football out of those guys <laughs> hey so I just want to mention really quickly too because Oren
2: Burks is the other factor in this oh, and I think yeah. someone that he's like we're expecting him to come along and we have for a couple of years and to me the biggest thing and I love Oren Burks I think is a as a as a person, I've always enjoyed his interviews. I think he seems like an awesome dude off the field, and he has crazy athleticism. He's probably the most talented linebacker on the team. But um, legitimately, what's so concerning to me about Burks is that Kamal Martin seems to have come in. I don't know that he's blown by him on the depth chart, but we've seen more excitement about Kamal Martin as far as like a jump than we've seen from Oren Burks in a couple of seasons. And so obviously people progress at different paces and Oren Burks may be more of a gradual um, kind of uh, coming along to find his place in this team. But that's, what's exciting about Kamal Martin is like, we've been waiting for this to happen with Oren Burks and we're seeing it maybe a little bit quicker with someone like Martin just out of the gate. So again, high hopes for Burks. I hope he has an awesome season. Um, But I think he was the guy everyone was like, okay, he's going to step into that linebacker two role and then who is this now fifth round pick who just seems to be kind of the guy making his name here in camp so it's
3: exciting stuff yeah absolutely and look at me for getting oren burks that's why you are the most talented yeah, on this team kyle
2: uh, It's not true i appreciate your talents and uh what you contribute as not a 6-5 receiver but someone who just uh, brings the talent every single friday
3: well i appreciate that but we're gonna <laughs> jump off air and then fight about uh, how much we disagreed on this show uh, so that is that is all the time that we have for today this has been the packity podcast you can find kyle on twitter at packer underscore pundit and you can find me at andrew mertig remember to also follow at packity podcast please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform if you get a chance that really helps us out you can get kyle and myself every single friday we'll be back next week with more on packers training camp thanks for listening and as always remember Go pack, Go!